Hello, every... Ah, fuck. <laughs> Keep that <laughs> in, baby. Keep that in. Yeah. <laughs> Keeping it in. <laughs> uh, hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> fuck. I don't know how much of a shit show this is. All right. Sorry. Three, two, one. Go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of The Deprogram. My name is JT. I'm here with my two great comrades, Hakeem and Yugopnik. And we figured in this first episode, we would just take a few minutes to uh, go over who we are, what we do, and what we're hoping to achieve with this podcast. Um, We hope you guys will stick around. I think it's going to be a good chat, and we've got some great episodes in store. So without further ado, I guess we will get started, and I will give you my quick introduction, and then I'll turn it over to the other two. So, my name is JT. Uh, I live in the DFW area of Texas, which, as we all know, is the best daggum country in America, I tell you what. Um, you may know me from the YouTube channel Second Thought, where I talk about socialist ideas at a 101 level. Uh, I've been doing YouTube for about six years now, and it's been my full-time job for the last three or four. Second Thought started out as a more general interest science channel, and you've probably seen a couple of my more popular ones, like um, What If NASA Had the U.S. Military Budget, and Is Time Travel Really Possible?, Uh, which have about 6 and 7 million views, respectively, I think. Um, As time went on, I started to get more interested in socialist ideology, and like many Americans, my radicalization process really started with Bernie Sanders and his 2016 campaign. I followed that campaign very closely, and as I learned more about Bernie and his ideas, I also learned that he really isn't a socialist, which made me think, okay, well, what's the difference between all these ideologies? How is social democracy different from democratic socialism? What's a Marxist-Leninist? What the heck is dialectical materialism? By the time I'd reached this phase of my progress towards the left, my channel was already pretty firmly established, but I was getting bored with my content. Like, every week I dreaded starting a new video. I just, I I wasn't interested, and I think my audience could tell. Uh, Performance started to suffer, and by the beginning of 2020, my channel was pretty much circling the drain. Uh, When COVID-19 hit and I watched my country's horrific response... I made what most people would probably rightly consider a foolish decision. I said to myself, well, I hate what I'm doing now, and I'm not using my platform for anything worthwhile, so you know what? I'm going to completely change my channel and talk about socialist topics and just see what happens. If it works out, great. If it torpedoes my channel, I guess I'm going back to work at Best Buy. For my next episode, I worked harder than I think I ever have for one of my videos. My last science video was like five minutes long, and this one was over 20 minutes longer. It was also the only video I've ever uploaded late, because I was determined to put out a video I was really proud of, even if it was going to be my last one. To my surprise, the video was a hit. The message really seemed to resonate with people, and, you know, obviously some subscribers left, some called me a dirty communist, all the usual knee-jerk responses, (laughs) but overall, the reception was really positive. And really, the rest is history. I've been producing explicitly anti-capitalist content for almost two years now, and it feels like I'm finally using my platform to do some good. It may not be much, but each person I can deprogram is a win, and we need all the wins we can get. Anyway, that's the story of my YouTube channel and how I made the switch from my old stuff to my current content, but YouTube is just one part of my personality. I also love to play Magic the Gathering and Smash. I'm a DK main, which is obviously the best choice, and I enjoy spending time with my wife, watching Star Trek, and playing Frisbee with my two healers, Bandit and Bagel. That's pretty much me in a nutshell. Uh, I'm super excited to start this podcast with two great comrades, and I will let them introduce themselves now. Hi there, I'm Hakeem. By the way, just to say about that intro, it doesn't get any sweeter than to hear that beautiful, silky voice for, <laughs> what, like two minutes in, <laughs> in a row? Uh, I'm going to use that for other purposes later. <laughs> <laughs> great. <laughs> no, joking, joking aside, um, hi there. This isn't one of my garbage videos. This is me introducing myself. Uh, I'm Iraqi, and I'm a physician by profession, if that's important. Uh, I run a, I guess you could say, moderately sized channel that goes by, quite creatively, Hakim. Uh, I've been going at it for a couple of years now, I think. I believe I started in 2017. My story, sadly, is nowhere nearly as interesting as JT's or even Yugopnik's. Uh, I started and have remained a Marxist channel, mostly focusing on theory, history, and the occasional shitpost, which I hope to make more of. I'd like to expand a little, you know, in the future with a few more quote-unquote light and fun videos every once in a while, but regrettably, the time just isn't there for me, at least for right now. My radicalization parallels a lot of others from the imperial periphery. Simply, getting bonded by the US tends to make you somewhat of a commie sometimes. 
about myself, though, I enjoy cooking and have unironically considered making my channel a cooking channel. Maybe that'll still happen in the future, we'll see. Uh, I occasionally play piano and have a stupidly long reading list. Uh, I'll keep pushing that onto you guys, so, you know, stay tuned or whatever. <laughs> but, you know, with that said, as do all of us, I don't think any Marxist exists without having a stupidly long reading list that they'll never get to in several lifetimes. Yeah, That, tea, and mangoes. That's my, my uh, passions in life. Uh, I have no wife, although I am slowly looking into getting married, and have awkwardly been proposed to twice this past month by elderly ladies trying to set me up with their daughter, so hooray me. The issue with that is my eyes are truly set on Yugopnik, who is the love of my life and the light of my eyes. The poetry flows at his mere mention. <clears throat> For your eyes ransom, all the heart has found and yet will find I shall give. For love is the only thing I have that still lives and does not live. Never before was I of those in whose heart love lies, but all must fall in love with the sight of your eyes. That's from I am Ed hard. Nabi. <laughs> that was truly beautiful. That's from Edmund Nabi. So uh, he was a uh, quite famous uh, Arab poet and known for his homoerotic poetry, so accurate. I would quote Muhammad al-Fatih, but that would be insensitive to his Balkan heritage. Uh, as for JT, I simply respect him too much for any of my advances to get the better of me. Regardless, a great creator who I hope to match at least up to half of the quality he puts out. I look forward to learning, laughing, and just generally chilling with this lovely bunch. And now I'm going to hand it off to... Uh, as. The aforementioned love of my life, you go think. Well, it's going to be very difficult to follow those two introductions, especially the last one, which made me a bit horny. The blood is not exactly <laughs> all in the brain, but uh, we, I think we can continue easily. <laughs> so, yeah, here we go. Uh, what's up, kids? I'm Yugopnik, uh, part-time propagandist for the socialist cause over in YouTube, like these two doofuses, and part-time advertising sellout during my day job. Uh, I'm a straight-up Balkan-bred Slavic boy living over in Eastern Europe. Uh, I'm a pretty much walking cliché, keep the music loud and the drinks cold, if you know what I mean. My formal education is in political science and business, together with some absolutely horrid corporate experience, sprinkled with knowing what it's like to live in a part of the world ravaged by the destruction of the local socialist project basically being destroyed, makes me a right-wing libertarian's worst nightmare. What do I mean by this? I ain't a socialist because I can't get a decent job. I ain't a socialist because I'm a purple-haired, spoiled Westerner who quote-unquote doesn't know how good he's got it. Yeah, look at me, mom. Uh, I don't fit any mold. On a serious note, uh, I knew from the first day I worked my ass off and got paid in scraps, even in the United States, the supposed utopian capital of the world, that what I've been sold as as the end-all, be-all system, the new natural order of capitalism was absolute dog shit. So I asked myself how I could help with its destruction. Jesus, I kind of sound like a terrorist. And well, I am not the smartest tool in the shed, nor the richest, ain't got a particularly potent voice or organizational skills. So I was like, okay, I guess uh, YouTube videos it is. I've been at it for a few years now, and honestly, it was the best decision I've ever made. It's given me purpose and direction, but more importantly, it allowed me to meet brilliant people like Hakim and JT, one of which seems to be in love with me, as you just heard. I'm in a happy long-term relationship, but I can't help but flirt back to my one and only Iraqi Habibi. And who knows, you know, uh, maybe JT will get in on the action as well. You know, boys club. I'm really looking forward to working on this with these two lovely assholes. I don't think I've heard of a more international political show currently on the internet, nor one with a more eclectic set of socialist characters. So I guess let's get this shit rolling, boys. All right. Hey, that was beautiful. Beautiful introduction. And I just for the listeners' sake, this will, I think, be the only ever part that will be so rigidly scripted uh all our future episodes will be more free flow with set topics that we kind of discuss yeah. yeah that was that was terrible i was reading my introduction I'm like oh man i can't make this sound natural i'm drifting into my narrator voice <laughs> <laughs> hey look a lot of people really like that narrator voice by a lot yeah. of people i mean me so <laughs> <laughs> that's all that matters really it's going to be the three of us listening back to ourselves on this podcast anyway so i don't think anybody else is going to tune yeah. in who cares about the rest yeah, of you people? 
All right. Um, <laughs> well, let's jump in, I guess. Let's talk a little bit about why we wanted to start this podcast and what we're hoping to do with it. Um, so my idea when I, when I reached out to you guys um, was that there was such a lack of a good uh, international socialist podcast. At least I'm not aware of any, or, you know, or haven't seen any big ones at least. Um, and as, you know, three of the larger uh, social, socialist channels on YouTube, I figured we might be able to segue to uh, something longer form and more casual like a podcast and, and port some of our audience over, which I think would do a lot to make this kind of content more accessible to people, you know, who are um, traveling to work or, or whatever, or for whatever reason, don't feel like watching YouTube videos. But that was my thinking. What do you guys think? I think for me, mostly, uh, it might sound a bit selfish, actually, but the reason I remember when you got, when uh, you uh, DM'd both uh, Uguplink and I, uh, the first thought I had was, holy shit, this is going to be so much fun. Yeah. Because um, I, I uh, kind of need that in my life at this point. Uh, I work very long hours, so as a result, I don't get to have a as much as as much of um, a social interaction with those online that I share opinions with and whatnot uh, as those that I have in real life. So uh, you know, I'm trying to kind of branch out more, and also I would like to have uh, something along the lines of what JT said. Uh, another podcast that people can tune in when they're bored. They don't have to watch rigid videos with a lot of stats thrown at them. And, uh, you know, as beautiful as the visuals may be or how well edited it may be, not everybody works well with videos and not everybody has the time for it. Um, but I, th- that's kind of what I would like, yeah, what I want to get out of it. But also mostly because I want to hear your beautiful voices. <laughs> Damn, he will never stop with the goddamn compliments. I swear to God, I'm going to punch you through the motherfucking screen, my friend. <laughs> now, jokes aside, uh, I'm kind of a similar thing, a semi-showmanish type of perspective. The, the moment that JT, you know, contacted us and was like, okay, your Iraqi Arab ass, your Slavic alcoholic ass, and my intellectual American spoiled ass, if we come together, we can actually create something that does not speak only from the perspective of you know one part of the world but actually from three corners which uh, in their own respective ways have been uh, impacted greatly both uh, by the system but also different uh, kind of fucked up offspring of the system so uh, just having this opportunity to uh, be able to sit together Again, I'm sorry for repeating myself, but three people from three different corners uh, and uh, for us to be able to actually overview things that are happening in our own parts of the world and in the world in general and for us to be able to look at the program, which is pretty much international imperialism and capitalism, and then being able to, you know, take our own little jabs and stabs at it from multiple perspective can help and create, a, I don't know, a bigger gaping hole in the system itself than if we were to do it mm. uh, by ourselves or if we were just to do it with people from only our local local communities. And that's kind of, you know, the, the beauty of the internet uh, because it allows us without having to tra- travel for fucking uh, 12 hours uh, or back in the day for 12 years uh, to, to, you know, be able to sit down and actually create something like this, which can, uh, uh, can allow people to hear many different voices from many different uh, perspectives and most importantly, for many different experiences. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, think that's a great perspective. Also. Go. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, you're good. Go ahead. <laughs> this will also be this will also be an issue, I think, in the future because both JT and I are way too <laughs> polite to interject over each other. You go, is the only asshole here that yeah. talks over people. <laughs> yeah, because I'm the only That's, one that I'm has something easy, to I mean, say, me. motherfucker. Okay, I'm, no, I'm kidding. I did not mean that. I don't know why I fucking said that. Uh, I'm obviously the dumbest guy here. I'm. I'm, I'm I told. I told him immediately. Up. I know why I was invited here. You know, I'm supposed to be the little clown that sometimes comes on the podcast, fucking half pissed, which I'm not right now which is probably going to be the only <laughs> bloody episode when i'm not absolutely drunk because i had to read in this one and i can't read when the screen is fucking moving 50 <laughs> miles per hour all over the goddamn room but yes i let the two actual intellectuals speak thank you 
Yeah. Well, you can eat all of my ass. You are not only intellectual, you're an intellectual amongst intellectuals, I would say. I love your videos and I love the the content that you put. So don't don't self-deprecate unless it's for the joke. That there in that way we can all fucking self-deprecate. I, I I hate everything about the shit that I do sometimes. Yeah. Um, not from a not a from a video making perspective. I love making the videos, but sometimes I I make it I'm like what is the shit? You can what is yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um my point being was uh, I think we an interesting point to add is that we all represent three different forms of capitalism. Um, JT specifically being uh, within the imperial core proper, and specifically the United States, uh, and his perspective, uh, both culturally, socially, economically, politically, from uh, his own quote unquote lived experience, his own uh, situation. That can be complemented, I think, by my opposite end, which is very imperial periphery perspective um, at the other end of imperialism, uh, experiencing a underdeveloped kind of um, uh, forced upon capitalist, uh, you know, neoliberal uh, market uh, reform and all that kind of nonsense. And Yugopnik is a nice middle in between because he represents not a part of the imperial core, not exactly part of the imperial periphery, but this position where it used to be a socialist country um, with all the beauties that socialism brought with it uh, that then was very rapidly uh, liberalized and uh, torn apart to make this uh, capitalist Frankenstein that currently exists within uh, within the Balkans, kind of with one hand in the imperial periphery and one hand within the imperial core kind of reaching out to Brussels and Germany and whatnot. So I think that's why I really like the, the, the perspective and how whatever story might come up internationally or locally, um, all of us can have either differing perspectives or very interestingly, if we have similar perspectives dis- despite our different backgrounds. That's why I like the, the international nature of, of it all. And that's why I was so excited for it. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's super important because here in the US, I mean, you open up Spotify or whatever app you like to use. And the podcast landscape is just intensely, you know, white American male centric. And there are so few perspectives from outside our little bubble um, that I think it's it's super critical to to expand the listeners horizons beyond uh, the borders of the U.S. And that's that's a problem we have here in the U.S. in general. It's like people in Texas know more about politics in like Oregon than uh, people in Oregon know about politics of Canada, and which are you know much closer together. Um, mm. So that's something that I hope uh, we can we can help to rectify. I mean, just just by having you guys here on the show, we'll be able to get such a valuable uh, difference in opinions and uh, perspectives. I think it's going to be really cool. But um, with all that said, uh, I think let's go ahead and start by by talking about our own radicalization processes i mean people know know mine pretty well it's it's the same as just about every young americans it's like there's bernie and we learned that's not actual socialism and so on um but what about you guys how is i mean obviously bernie is a very american quote-unquote socialist so what was it that really um brought you guys to to your opinions that you hold today you up Nate, the floor is yours. Oh, oh thank you, Mamacita. <laughs> okay, so uh, mine, um, mine is kind of a cliche for the part of the world that I live in, at least for people that move towards a socialist mindset. Um, you know, after 89 and during the 90s and the awful wars which took place here and afterwards the NATO bombings, etc., etc., uh, a lot of people wanted to find hope in the now changed and new type of... Uh, economic setup that uh, that we had uh, being brought to us by uh, the international neoliberal establishment and a lot of people you know not necessarily because they truly believed in it but because they needed to believe that good times are coming sort of embraced uh, embraced capitalism as this new thing that they haven't seen since you know world war ii because you know we uh, after defeating the Nazis, this part of the world became, you know, its own version of uh, of socialism. 
and uh, you know the 90s pass uh, the system falls you have all these smaller federative republics now becoming individual countries and this new system being introduced and as i said previously a lot of people wanted to kind of find hope in it and me as pretty much a kid during that time wanted to fight find hope in it as well and uh, i was inspired a lot by u.s film u.s culture western culture in general which was presenting life over there as this uh, semi-utopian place where everybody you know as long as they pull themselves up by their ball sacks sorry no by their bootstraps <laughs> can actually make something out of themselves and I genuinely believe that until I began my first year of university where I had both the opportunity to interact with some absolutely brilliant professors and other students which taught me a lot about this uh, a lot about the differing ways of uh, seeing uh, what we could do as a species as compared to, you know, just competing over building a bigger mall as we do now, combined with uh, being able to go for four months where to the utopian US of A, as I said in my intro, to, you know, make some extra money so I can pay my, pay for my scholarship uh, and my uh, tuition fees, etc., etc. And for four months, I worked uh, two jobs for around 12 hours a day for seven days a week with only like for the four months with four days off uh, which really 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 allowed me to see uh, the dirt under the fingernails of what was to me up until that point sold as this incredibly well-developed and established society so for those four months when i got to see how working class people in the richest country in the world live, uh, how they're treated by uh, their employers in a place which is supposed to be full of uh, individual rights and rights of employees and employers, etc., etc., that, you know, I wasn't getting surprised by not seeing in my part of the world. And that whole package and those, you know, those four months of experiences uh, together with what I previously mentioned, the new, the newly opened door into, you know, people actually telling me what socialism is, what anarchism is, what Leninism is, etc., etc. That little combination uh, created uh, pretty much me. I remember the first time I googled, uh, you know, the Communist Manifesto. It was after, like, I don't know, a 13-hour uh, workday. I got home. My, my roommate, uh, you know, worked for probably longer hours that day so he only had like two cold beers ready for me and he went to bed and i was like what the hell am i gonna do because i wasn't wasn't that sleepy and the next day was actually uh, i didn't have the first shift so i sat down and i googled the manifesto and there were some you know small summaries that popped up and reading that with a freshly pissed off and at this point class consciousness infused mind uh something just clicked in me and after that i dove deeper and deeper and uh, became the um, the dude you see before you or in this case here before you jesus i've made that sound kind of pathetic there towards the end but uh, whatever oh not at all it's very i think it's better to just kind of come off yeah, not come off genuine implying that you're being fake, but I mean, just show that what genuinely how you felt about it. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. I think not necessarily saying there's sadness connected to it, but there's a melancholy um, that comes attached with capitalist exploitation that has to come through when you talk about it. Um, and I think that is more relatable to people. But I wanted to ask you, actually, uh, Yugov Ning, because um, uh, you grew up in the Balkans at the time, and I think we're all roughly around the same age. Uh, do you remember the wars, or did, did they just end when you when you know consciousness kicked uh, in? My parents did an amazing job uh, helping me not really experience them with the... Uh, a great intensity you know they would lie oh it's uh mm. they're dropping candy or they're uh all oh, the planes are just more people coming to our country There's, that's why they're flying over you etc etc mm. and you know when uh we would hear news of this or that cousin because I'm kind of from a semi-international family and uh, that's why I believe I'm also not very nationalistic because I understand kind of the perspectives of the different nations in Yugoslavia while the war was going on and that's why I don't blame one particular uh, group. I think it's very reductionist. But yes, but what I do do remember is kind of... Uh, 
uh, you know, the, the sirens and running to the to the basement like five times a day or sometimes just once and then staying there for like a day or two. But uh, thank, uh, thank God if such a thing exists uh, that, you know, I do not have any real trauma, nor would I ever claim that, uh, that I do. But I know, unfortunately, know literally, I don't want to say hundreds, but tens of people that uh, are still not really okay mm-hmm. because of what they experience. And I can only imagine the stories you can tell me coming from motherfucking Iraq, my <laughs> yeah. man, Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, or JT, you know, going to American schools. That must must be a very PTSD-inducing experience that makes as well. It, somehow makes it Iraq, that doesn't seem quite as bad as, as your guys' experience. I'm sure Texan schools make Iraq look like a playground, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need to have the, uh, the bulletproof backpacks. 8 a.m., we got shooting training, I tell you what. Oh jeez, that's so not funny to joke about, but at the same time, I can't help but laugh. Fuck, I'm so sorry. Not keep no, that bloody true. joke in. I am not joining for a second episode. That was a great fucking joke I made right there. And keep this me telling you to put the thing. That, I don't know. Yeah, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Uh, keep keep it human. I love it. But yeah, oh, that's very interesting to know. Uh, you had way nicer parents than I did. <laughs> uh, I guess uh, it's my turn to 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 give my story. Um, all right, so being being uh, you know born in this uh, in the glorious country that is Iraq, um, I uh, very quickly because I was born during the sanctions period uh, of Iraq. Uh, for those who are uh, unaware, from 1991 uh, up until 2003, Iraq was heavily sanctioned. Not only heavily sanctioned, it was arguably the most highly sanctioned country in the world. We're talking about levels of san- economic sanctioning greater than even the DPRK in Cuba. Um, it was very severe, very harsh sanctions. Um, I was born during that period. And um, growing up in that, uh, you kind of almost... Uh, the environment teaches you to be anti-imperialist in a general sense and anti-American in a specific sense of that, if, if, if my point gets across. Um, and that's, I grew up with that up until my, uh, you know, early childhood, four, five, six years of age. Um, and then as I grew up further and I began to understand more, um, because I don't know, in the US, from what I read, from, from what I've read and what I remember, th- the way the war was portrayed as, oh, uh, my freedoms, uh, we, we need to, you know, bring democracy to Iraq, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And kind of the let's say, dissenting opinion or the controversial opinion was to say, oh, we're, the, we're in Iraq for oil or we're in Iraq for this or that, like some sort of material gain. Um, but in Iraq, there was no illusion of why the United States was there. Um, everybody you would speak to, even the most um, anti-government people uh, within Iraq would tell you the same thing. It's that the Americans are invading Iraq not because they want to give us freedom or democracy or whatever else. They're coming because we have an uh, incredibly important geopolitical position. Uh, we are an enemy of Israel that stands as an actual threat to the that illegal uh, settler colonial uh, military occupation. Um, we exist also uh, as the only nation at the time uh, of the entire Arab world that could develop itself had we the capacity without s- sanctions, uh, develop ourselves into a formidable economic, social, uh, cultural, and uh, military power um, on top of our massive resources of natural gas and oil and even um, uh, refinable uh, earth metals and whatnot, uh, and amongst other things, uranium and so on. Uh, so when you talk to people, this is the perspective they give you. They they came here for our gold, they came here for our uranium, they came here for our, our oil. And they came here because they don't like the fact that we can stand up to ourselves and have our own country and run it by our own uh, dictates, can we say. Um, so that is kind of the environment I grew up in. And then seeing the very physical manifestation uh, of imperialism uh, being woken up at four in the morning uh, to Americans dropping bombs on you and having to uh, go into your basement, your semi like makeshift basement as as a bomb shelter. These things kind of really reinforce the fact that the world as it exists. I think this is. I think a sentence to sum it up uh, is this: You cannot have a liberal outlook when you can when you see the very physical manifestation of imperialism. You cannot ever take the human rights, democracy, um, uh, fair trial, all that nonsense. You can't take that seriously when you see the countries that supposedly uh, believe in all that 
dropping bombs on innocent civilians for ends that are neither clear to them for the most part nor us. Um, so that was kind of my radicalization. But more concretely, I think amongst us three, I may have been, uh, or I think I've been the Mar a Marxist the, for the longest period, but uh, that's not a credit to me. I've met people who have been Marxist for a single year or two who are way more well-read than I am. Uh, but I think just to link that, because uh, it was in my early teenage years that I, d I started reading, um, and uh, when reading about uh, general modern history, and then reading about the Soviet Union, and then reading about their their ideology, and then from then on, I started reading about, okay, so what is socialism, what is uh, self-sufficiency, what is anti-imperialism, and kind of um, merging all those together into a semi-coherent ideological outlook that was then only informed by um, a reading of Marx, of Engels, of Lenin, of Mao, and of many other uh, authors that have contributed to this beautiful tradition. Um, so yeah, I, I guess that's my my uh, general trend, my general story of, of, of uh, radicalization. Very uh, long-winded and not very interesting, I don't think, but I guess it parallels that of many other people uh, who are in similar situations as I am. Not interesting, do you? No, I think those. Yep, go, go yeah. on, JT. Go ahead. Okay, well, I was just going to say, I think, <laughs> I, we're going to say the same thing. I think that's a super interesting um, history you've got there. I mean, especially coming from someone in the United States, we don't have that kind of perspective. You know, as as a citizen of the nation that is, you know, doing the imperialism, that's doing the bombing, mm. we... We are sheltered from that. We have no concept of what it's like to be on the receiving end of someone trying to force their own, you know, quote unquote, way of life on on your mm. nation, you know, whatever that way of life may be, whether it's, you know, whether they actually believe it as some kind of grand program for positive change or whether it's strictly an imperial project. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, just hearing being able to hear your perspective on that, I think, is is super critical for Americans in particular. Yes, and it was. Well, I appreciate that. And it was. Sorry, go on, go on. Go and on. it was incredibly beautifully put as well. I mean, just the, imagining the scene of yeah. you looking through a window as uh, bombs are falling on your beautiful city. I can literally just hear the international slowly playing in your fucking brain <laughs> as you're getting angrier and angrier. <laughs> No, I, 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 and I can really relate, especially with uh, with the sanctions and so on. Thank God, I don't remember the the bombings much. And what I found with with uh, not to hijack the story, but what I found interesting, for example, in the contrast between the two of ours, is that you experience these horrors much more directly, mm. and that immediately, you know, made something click in your mind. And as you say, uh, as you said, uh, many others uh, from your from your country of birth. Uh, but with me, because I did not experience it as intensely and because the propaganda was so strong that even after seeing the Yugoslav Republic completely falling apart and these absolutely stupid banana republics being born out of it, and after even seeing the poverty that was infused and that came with it and everything, I still kind of, I don't know, I hoped that, oh, we here are fucked up because we're barbaric and stupid and backwards and uncivilized. And I was still kind of hoping that's because the you know it's messed up here because of us but the moment i stepped on you know u.s soil and spent four months there i was like oh my god it's not us it's not even them it's not about the population of the u.s it's about this system which takes lovely beautiful human beings and turns it into paste which loops it up so that it can keep fucking running and it's yeah hmm. I think that's a very, very good point because um, I think uh, in with my experience and Yugopnik's experience, there's that parallel that I think Americans might not have. Um, uh, a lot of the time when you talk to, for example, when I talk to other people, uh, other Iraqi people, they'll say, oh, the reason Iraq is bad isn't because of capitalism, if we're even having this conversation. They'll say the reason Iraq is bad is because of Iraqis. Iraqis are lazy. Iraqis are this and that and that and that, right? Um, and I think exactly. Yugopnik's point kind of parallels that. But I think... In the United States, I think maybe, JT, you could inform us, what, what is the general perspective? Do people say, oh, capitalism doesn't work, the people, uh, or like, or capitalism works, it's just the people are lazy. Uh, what's your perspective? Yeah, I think typically what happens is there's a very um, Eurocentric, if I'm going to be polite, but, you know, frankly, white supremacist mm -hmm. um, ideology here. Um, we'll, we'll typically, the typical American will look abroad and say, well, yeah, these people are just backwards. I mean, they don't, they can't do it themselves that we're over there to, to help them, 
become more like us, to to find a way to implement capitalism that will work with them. And it's not even hmm. that will jive with their culture, but it's more of a, hey, we need to force these people into a a stricter, different way of thinking that will allow them to understand that capitalism is better, that this this mm. is the way, it's the natural way, and that they are just too far behind. They're barbaric or whatever. And it's that can be applied to basically any country around the world. And you see it typically applied to countries where, you know, the skin color is different or the language is different. Um, you see it especially... Um, like right next door for me, it, it, it's applied to Mexico and Latin America. Um, these people mm. are just backwards savages who need to be civilized, and therefore we need to go in and act as that civilizing force because they won't be able to do it themselves. And I think to an extent that's just ingrained in in the American psyche. It's what we're it's kind of what we're taught. You know, the United States military and the United States aid groups are are a force for good and for civilization. We're the torchbearers of this this bright new way forward. Um, and it's, yeah, it's it's an attempt by those in power here to program the American people to believe that they are um, living in the greatest place on earth. The, you know, we're living in the end of history, that capitalism is the pinnacle and nothing will ever surpass it. And I think, I mean, that's really what we want to do with this show. I said to program the people. And what we want to do is help to deprogram those people, to, to help people understand that, you know, maybe these things that you're told aren't exactly correct or they're being told to you from a perspective that benefits a certain group of people. Um, so that's that's really what I, I want to do with this, uh, with this show. Uh, sorry to go, go off on a tangent there. But, yeah, I think that, that perspective of the U.S. as a a civilizing force, a force for good, you know, the last bastion of faith and capitalism um, is something that really needs to be pushed back on. Exactly right. Beautifully said. I think that <laughs> stupid joke popped into my head, but when you're talking about the comparison between Texas and Mexico, yeah, we want to deprogram people from thinking that the second you step over the uh, American border into Mexico, a yellow tint doesn't just <laughs> magically show up yeah. over everything. <laughs> and everything's dustier. So I think it's always dusty. Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. oh man. Uh, what I was going to say earlier as well is that, uh, so, JT, what needs to happen as well is that, uh, the, uh, of course, the deprogramming that would take place isn't only for the audience, it's for us as well. Because all, both you and I and Yugopnik are uh, programmed into uh, different sorts of, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, understandings of the world, uh, schemas, if you want to call it that. And uh, even though we've made our way kind of out of some of them, doesn't mean if we've made our way out of all of them. All of us are own, have our own biases, and we can maybe even say reactionary points um, that would need work on. All of us uh, are always in perpetual, uh, maybe it sounds larpy to even say, but in perpetual revolution within ourselves as well. Um, but what this, what this means concretely is that Yugopnik has experienced civil war. I've experienced a form of civil war. So now what's left is for you to experience an American civil war. And then we can be on equal footing. <laughs> Looking forward to it. <laughs> no, no, no. no. I, I hope for nothing but, but uh, peace for the American people. The American leadership and government, yeah, behead all those cunts. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, well, if there is a civil war here, I mean, Texas is going to be on the front lines. They, they're, they've been eager for a long time. Um so yeah, I'll, uh, I'll I'll keep you guys posted. I'll take pictures. The Texas Republic, yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that a thing for a while? Hey yeah. man, the, the south the south will rise again, but this time it will be the <laughs> Soviet Republic. <laughs> 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 Just like that stupid fucking tweet. That person was like, "Oh, the, the, we have Texans spying on each other. What is this? A Soviet Republic? I wish." <laughs> oh man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's that whole genre of tweets, like sees something happening in America Americanly. What is this, Asia? It's like, come on. No. <laughs> and it's always... It's very frustrating. Exactly, and it's always all these, like, uh, self-important liberals that believe that, you know, they are absolutely respectful towards other other ethnicities and other cultures, but then they're the first yeah. ones that are, like, uh, for example, something happens, 
uh, that's like negative in the states, mm-hmm. and then they bring up these statistical boards and they're like, "Huh, but the U.S. is number six behind like Uruguay. There's fucking Browns, <laughs> you know? Like what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, man, you know, you don't have to be number one in everything. It's fine." <laughs> oh. Yeah. Champagne liberals—they're the ones who will kind of, yeah. They'll, they'll uh, what's it called? Uh, they'll let uh, what's it called? Uh, they'll cosplay and being, you yeah. know, all accepting and all loving, but they wouldn't—they uh, wouldn't allow a uh, ethnic person to uh, move into their gated communities. Oh no way! And they also want to eradicate all the homeless. It's—it's definitely—it's yeah. uh, its own form of LARPing. Yeah, for sure. My God, I don't understand that about the U.S. though. I have not. Okay, I've had several people that I know in real life that have visited the United States, and the very first thing. Keep in mind, both you Gupnik and I, we're from third world countries. Technically, I mean, uh, maybe that's offensive to you Gupnik's homeland, but fuck no, uh, <laughs> it is. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> I've seen some roads in in where you come from, Habibi. It's more like a fourth world country. <laughs> I've seen some bars from where oh, no, you come no, from, Javi. Oh, wait, you don't have bars, motherfucker. Uh, um, that's, a, that's because we have glorious Sharia. I shall convert you by the end of this podcast. You shall accept glorious Orthodox Christianity. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Of course not. But I tell you what, we got roads and we got bars. We're the best damn place in the world. Get me some Catholicism. Yeah. Or pro- what is Texas? Protestant or Catholic? I don't know. Um, no, they're, uh, Protestant, they're Protestants. Nah, nah. Yeah, the Protestants. No, they, they hate the Catholics. Yeah, so the, the ones that the, that's, the, the, Those liberal Yankees, yeah. the liberal Yankees up north are, are, are Catholics. They don't like them. Mm-hmm. Um, this is all my very limited understanding of the United States. But what the fuck was I talking about? Even? <laughs> yeah, sorry for interrupting. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, you called the uh, Slavic countries <laughs> fourth world. Yeah, but there you go. <laughs> no, no, I love it. Keep, keep going, yeah. yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that's all jokes but no what, what I was saying <laughs> fuck me Jesus Christ I treated I want to I, I saw a patient with pneumonia today uh, mm, yes please uh, I saw a patient with pneumonia today I, it would be way too quick for pneumonia has an incubation period I don't have pneumonia but uh, I all of a sudden I started coughing and my dumbass was like mm. <laughs> but yeah no uh, have a drink for your throat say? have fuck a vodka me. oh wait you cannot of course ah uh, yeah that is true that is true um, all I can have is the cool breeze of, uh, of paradise. <laughs> By the way, explain that for uh, explain that because probably a lot of listeners don't even know that Muslims cannot drink alcohol. Yes, yeah, there you true. go. Now you learn uh, something new. Now, now continue. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll probably have an episode about all that eventually, and like how the intersections of religion and socialism. Yeah. Now there'll be a lot of fun for the future. But right now we're shit posting time, and during shit posting time, <laughs> I was saying something about. Uh, all of us being fucking third world countries. Yeah. Fuck. You know what? I lost my point. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a good try. But yeah, so that's just generally. Or, oh, no. It just came back to me. Yes. Um, I got my point. It was, uh, yeah, I, I know several people uh, who I know directly who have went to the U.S. And being from third world countries, they go. And the very first thing they always tell me is, Jesus Christ, there's so many homeless people. Mm-hmm. And I... Again, I, I I don't know. You Gupnik, is this also very common where you come from? Where you see you went to the U.S. Is it the same? Where you see these hordes of like you know people in between it, buildings? And it stuff? is not the same at all. Like not even close. Mm. The the you can rarely see homeless people here because oh I don't know some guys gave free apartments to pretty much fucking everyone. Mm. Even though you know Westerners still <laughs> screenshot them. They're like ha oh, Eastern Europe look at ugly building and I'm like ha Western Europe look at homeless man. <laughs> like on at least I own it. Uh, but uh, yeah, oh no mm. man the, the especially in. Uh, mm. In Miami, yeah, in New York I saw a lot, but in Miami that was insane. It's literally just hordes of people like on parking lots, next to parking lots, uh, with tents up and everything. It was, thank God it was, you know, mm. hot. But yes, that is that is very weird mm. to see, very weird to see. Yeah. All this in the richest country on earth, not even, not just richest country on earth, richest society in humanity's history so far. Right. Yeah. Um, and the what the most outrageous part of it is like, oh, you know, they're homeless because they can't make money because they don't got jobs. Yeah. All right. Whatever. Fuck all that job market nonsense. The United States, even as a country, even as developed as it is, has so much work that needs to be done. Just the infrastructure within the United States alone will require many decades of work of the scale of like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of workers to manage to bring up to an acceptable level. And here you have all these people who are mostly, by vast majority, able, able-bodied um, working age men by, by majority, yeah. right? 
all people who w could and are willing to contribute and uh, directly aid their their country and of course as uh, of course receive a salary and live their lives but no uh, th there needs to be a reserve army of labor there needs to be perpetual unemployment and the fear of you know what this job fucking sucks it pays like shit uh, but i i can't go anywhere else because i'm going to be like bob on the fucking street yeah exactly i mean it's it's a huge problem here i mean especially in in places with you know temperate climates like florida um like portland is a big one or seattle um but yeah i've been meaning to make a video about that for a while where we have all this work like you were saying all these jobs that need to be done this infrastructure that needs to be rebuilt and yet those jobs just aren't available like there there's so much work to be done why are there no jobs the only thing that's available is is gig work or you know working at a, a big box store like uh, Walmart or mm. Amazon something like that um, at thirty nine hour contracts mind you exactly yeah exactly I mean these places will keep you uh, part time so they don't have to give you benefits or you know paid sick days or I mean nowhere offers any kind of parental leave it's you know by all reasonable standards despite its vast wealth and status as the richest nation in the in the history of the world i mean the us may as well be a third world country it mm -hmm. doesn't it treats its people far worse than a lot of countries with with vastly lower uh, gdp um which is mm -hmm. which is it's frustrating to see but it's also illuminating when you start looking at the reasons for sure i remember uh, this is kind of a tangent i guess but uh, i was uh, at a friend's house uh, the other day, and um, for some, <laughs> excuse me, for some reason, he had uh, a stream of Fox News uh, that he could get, that, that he could manage to get, uh, like, a signal to, um, and uh, he was like, fuck it, let's put it on, so we put it on, and my god, like, it's just American television, I, I would see it in movies, in American movies and stuff, but I thought all that was exaggerating, how, like, every second commercial is like, oh, ask your doctor if you can be prescribed bl blank, or some shit. Um, but yeah, or, uh, all these, like, you know, like the, all of a sudden the really loud fucking dun 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 music, and then it just has some weird, uh, figure, and it's like, oh, like, crunch time with Jim Bobson or some bullshit, <laughs> like some stupid headline, right? And it'll be a guy, and he's like, oh, Biden's new tax plan will be hitting the, blah, blah, blah. all this bullshit. <laughs> and I said, yeah. Yeah, I can't. You know, the reason I have a hard time sometimes relating to Americans is because as a non-American, just seeing American society and just facts about American life would be enough to radicalize me. But being within the United States, being sur surrounded every day by no health care, no ability to get sick leave or parental leave, uh, no ability for guaranteed employment, right? The very fact of how, you know, like uh, job uh, efficiency uh, has, uh, and productivity has, has skyrocketed within the United States and all over the world, but mostly within the United States. But, jobs have, uh, but uh, wages have stayed stagnant since the 70s. Basic facts like this, how all infrastructure within the U.S. is like degrade or below, and how you can, again, how you guys have fucking concrete panel roads <laughs> like it's 1942, <laughs> for fuck's sake. Yeah, that's not something I never even think about. Like you mentioned that the other day, I'm like, huh, you know what, I guess you're right, all our roads are concrete. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Like, oh my God. So that's why I, I sometimes, and, and I, that's also why I really like the idea of the podcast. And I, I really love the name, The Deprogram, because I think all of us are somewhat, at least slightly, kind of unplugged from this entire perspective. Um, where you think, oh, this stuff is just normal. Um, and the point of this podcast is for people to listen and then all of a sudden realize, just like that, like, hey, maybe not us as the richest country on earth not having parental leave. Meanwhile, Cuba which is an embargoed, like, third-world country, or fuck it, not even Cuba, Tanzania, and, all, like, other poor third-world countries, the sort of countries that people, when they want to, you know, give an example of somewhere poor, right, they'll name those countries. Those places have, you know, multi-month, two-month, four-month, six-month, why year-long, uh, years-long, parentally fully paid or at 80% rate with a guaranteed job when you return after you're done with it even like I'm, I'm at a loss for words just trying to fucking explain it yeah i think that's i mean it's it's so true and it's it's such a a challenge here to get people to understand just how far behind the united states is um you know we we sure the people here might make more money but 
the work-life balance and the overall health of the society is just so far below where it should be. You know, we have such yeah. such enormous health problems. We have such enormous homelessness problems. Um, people go bankrupt just taking an ambulance ride to the hospital. It's like these are things that we need to make um, my fellow Americans aware of and things that I only became aware of, you know, fairly recently. So this is there's such a huge gap in knowledge. Um, and that's something that I think needs to come before anything else. Like before we can address these problems, Americans just need to know, like, look, this is not the greatest place on earth. I mean, far from it. Even the biggest like promise that that you guys, you know, are given is, you know, you get to own a lot of cool shit, you know, property. Yeah. You don't. Nobody owns anything. Mm. The bank owns everything and you're paying rent to the mm-hmm. bank instead of to the landlord. If you're lucky, you probably live under a landlord. But if you're lucky and you actually can get a mortgage, you can actually buy a house or a car or a second car or build that pretty pool or even put out that lawn, uh, that lawn in front of your house on a loan. Haha, <laughs> my English levels here. Yeah. Uh, or <laughs> at this point, you want to buy a new iPhone. You want to buy a laptop. Even you got to get uh, coupons or get loans to to even buy some food, to go on vacation. Everything that you've been promised for uh, as kind of rewards that you can get for uh, participating in the system actively, you're no longer even getting. Okay, maybe until, up until the 40s, 50s, even 60s, you know, white privileged males usually ended up getting some of this stuff if they, you know, really put in a lot of work, if they were lucky enough, etc., etc. But And if one could say, okay, this was one of the, you know, the positives, this was the American dream, blah, blah, blah. But nowadays, you do not even have that. I mean, to, that's extremely weird. And even in like countries as dirt poor as where I'm from, a lot of people just save money and then they buy a thing. Or when they're buying an apartment, they save up even up to 40, 50% of it. They uh, Almost nobody buys brand new cars on loans. No, you buy a two, three-year-older car and you fucking drive it. I go to the US, there's fucking three cars parked in front of every house and it's two stories with three garages. Hey, Mr. Smith. Oh, hey, you Gopnik. Uh, very nice house. What do you do? Oh, I, I'm an engineer. How much do you make? $110,000 a year. How much is this house? Seven million. What? What the fuck? <laughs> you, uh, and it's your house? Yeah, it's my house. Uh, and do you pay mortgage? Uh, yes, I pay mortgage. No, it's not your house. Shut the fuck up. Uh, no, it is your house. You know, you get, you get what I'm saying. But uh, my yeah, point yeah. being, my point being, it's all everything's on nobody credits. can afford anything literally the one thing you're promised is mm. you get cool shit but now you can't even get cool shit you cannot afford to get cool shit exactly right the one thing that is promised which is this very uh, unsustainable and frankly unhealthy promise of um, just consume just to consume as the as the meme goes um even that promise it's entirely uh you know raised on credit the very idea that even if you try to buy something it will never be yours or you will pay indefinite amounts way higher than you than the even worth of the thing is uh people the, the the big meme of oh you can make so much money in the u.s yeah but even if you have like three million in the bank one trip to uh, one cancer diagnosis can bankrupt you. That's not what a healthy society is. But anyway, sorry, go on, JT. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say that. Yeah, the the promise that we're given now, the only thing that that is left to be promised is, you know, quote unquote freedom. You have the freedom to work where you want. You have the freedom to to do what you want, to buy what you want. But the thing that people don't realize is that's such a cop out because if you're working you know 12 13 hours a day if you if you're making poverty wages if you can't afford to go to the hospital if you can't afford rent or or whatever utility bills that to me does not indicate freedom right i mean how free are you if yeah. you're you are required to spend all of your time working and just being a cog in this machine and that's yeah. i think that's the fatal flaw of the of the freedom argument it's like how free are you if you're if you're just a slave to your circumstances. Yeah, I think that's the end all and be all of capitalism, really. At the end, the only thing it can truly promise is platitudes. It can never be anything concrete. Socialism, on the other hand, we can promise concrete things because we have an actual, well, a plan of action, <laughs> to, for lack of better terms. There's ways that things can be done. There's something that we actually want to put in place. We want to put 
the uh, your direct workplace within your hands and your fellow workers so that you can choose what you want to produce and how and how it should be organized and all that all that capitalism offers on the other hand is these vague liberal kind of lukewarm promises <laughs> as worthy as the politicians promise where you will have something like ooh freedom but you can't fucking move across country or do what you love because it's either way too expensive or it will never make you money or there just simply isn't room for it for example right oh you get to own as much as you like yeah but that entirely hinges on your earning capacity and if you're not born into inherited wealth there's very uh, there's slim to none your chances of uh, achieving or attaining that kind of wealth right but oh no you can be an entrepreneur and you can have an idea yeah until it's bought out by bigger companies or you're entirely restricted to be cut off from the market or even if you succeed what did you give up in your life to achieve this level of success Right, and yeah. how are you bringing it about by exploiting other people? It's not even an, an a moral argument at this point, but at the end of the day, we shouldn't tear the soul out of socialism, and we shouldn't be you know cold pragmatists with the way we approach it. Uh, TLDR: Capitalism is an inhuman and unjust system. That's basically what I want to say. <laughs> well said. That's why it's very important to like from the from the lens of an American. It's very important to, for example, hear these sorts of uh, uh, foreign perspectives, especially ironically from even poorer countries. But it's also very important for people from uh, from the imperial periphery, as, uh, as Hakim beautifully puts it, uh, to uh, understand that it's not all roses and butterflies. You know. Uh, one ocean over nor is it in uh, for any listeners that might not have had the experience of going to eu countries i've been to quite a few i have many many friends from all of them and obviously me being a beautifully informed individual i can tell you that uh, it's also uh, you know not all it's uh, prepped up to be obviously yes it uh, in certain aspects it's better and life standards are higher but uh, but even if you use these European examples as, you know, the definitions of, oh, somewhere on this globe, people actually live really well. You could make an argument that they live relatively okay, but uh, that would ignore the hundreds, if not thousands, of inherent systemic problems that eat away usually at the most uh, disenfranchised people in those specific countries, and not only them. And the the, the 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 fucked up thing with something you know complete uh, something systemic being a parasite on the uh, on the you know poorest of the working class and even those who are not working wherever it is in the world uh, people tend to feel safe and they tend to feel like oh this is not going to come for me you know you see that homeless guy on the street oh you're never going to become the homeless guy well that homeless guy also thought the same thing oh you see your colleague getting getting fired because they're for example automating his position you say oh no but uh, you know i am i've been here for five years longer than him that's never going to happen to me then you end up getting fired you uh you can apply this to pretty much uh, absolutely any aspect of life as long as you are not an owner. When you are an owner, what uh, us LARPers you know, tend to call the bourgeoisie, then you have a lot more control over uh, what actually can happen to you and not happen to you because you are indirectly the dictator of whatever thing you are owning and whatever uh, enterprise you are you are leading, but for the rest of us, uh, we always have to keep in mind that uh, what's you know fucking all those people that are that are much poorer than me can one day fuck with us as well. Basically, very convoluted way of saying solidarity is very fucking important, very fucking important. Mm. Yeah, exactly right, and that's why the United States has and those in power within not only the U.S. but most of the world. But this is more a specifically American perspective that uh, the average American person isn't a member of the working class, but a temporarily embarrassed millionaire, as they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I would like to actually just add a bit uh, a point uh, that Yugopnik very beautifully said uh, of how people live and then they could, for example, point to, you know, I don't know, Sweden or the UK or France or what have you uh, and be like, well, people there, capitalism, they live well. Um, but that doesn't, of course, lead into the underlying issue. And that's, again, something I would like to connect the, the quote-unquote deprogramming to um, this perspective that a lot of people who are maybe baby leftists or kind of kind of leaning towards that angle, um, whether you want to point at Sweden or Norway or Germany or wherever else, 
you need to remember that pointing at a population of people who consume uh, at levels that are unsustainable for the planet, uh, all the while their lifestyle is entirely funded off the backs of the super-exploitation of the imperial periphery, periphery, is not something that we should ever aspire to. We shouldn't try to make our countries basically, oh, you know, it's pretty decent over here. I can have my car and I can have my house and I can have my health care. But the only reason I can have that is because, you know, there's a Congolese tea farmer or a Bolivian mine worker or a Bangladeshi textile worker that's being paid cents on the dollar to live in absolute squalor and, and with no housing, no housing or guaranteed housing, no employment, a guaranteed employment, no uh, health care, no access to education, no opportunities. But hey, at least, you know, I got mine. So that's why we would also need to, you know, um, we don't only want to pull the face off of uh, capitalism um, or the heart out, more likely, but we also want to pull off the uh, uh, the smiley face that they put up on top of it when they want to present themselves as the social democrats. Uh, but that's just a, a point, a side note, maybe for a future episode. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's also really important. It's And it's something that um, a lot of people don't really tend to think about. You know, we've got a lot of people here in the United States, especially, who are like, oh, we just need to be to be more like the Nordic countries. They have it right. You know, the taxes are right, and you've got health care, and all this stuff is more more humane. You're like, well, yeah, it's it's more humane for the people who live there. But then you mm. see videos of an African uh, ch- uh, cocoa farmer who mm. is given a taste of chocolate for the first time. He's never... He's never tasted chocolate until some guy with a video camera for some, you know, feel-good news program goes there and says, hey, do you know what this, this cocoa is used for? He's like, no, I'm, I know it's used to make nice things for other countries, but I don't know what it is. And he's like, oh, here, it's chocolate. Try it. And he gets his first taste of the thing that he is contributing directly to. All these years of his life, he's been working, slaving away and doing this stuff for, for nothing. And, and to produce something that he will never consume himself unless by the grace of some you know, Western savior come to, to make a feel good program about him. So they, yeah, that's, that's something that needs to be, um, the, the people have the wool pulled over their eyes of just how exploitative even the most, uh, humane seeming social democracies are. Most kind and pleasant and fluffy capitalism. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely, um, honestly, it's, it's, it would be funny if it weren't so sad Yeah, to see that, uh, uh, even the most radical traditions in some of the uh, Western countries right now, the the furthest they could possibly go is, hey, let's ju- just get to that level of, uh, yeah. you know, the blanket alienation and exploitation of other places. But uh, very neatly put, beautiful. Yeah, the thing with class consciousness even in general is uh, it can form uh, instead of uh, your own state, your own country, your own ethnic, uh, religious, cultural group, but it does take an extra few steps for it to form um, towards the international proletariat. You know, you, it's obviously, and I'm not judging anyone, much easier to understand uh, and, you know, co-identify with uh, Jim over there who you work in the factory with or even someone halfway across your own country uh, but other than, you know, t- t- just uh, liberal moralism, I'm talking about real class consciousness, other than that, you know, it uh, it might be a bit more difficult to understand that uh, quite a lot of your lifestyle is uh, worked for and created by the even more radical exploitation of, uh, of somebody half the world over who very often doesn't even look like you. But I'm not making this this point or argument like this degrowth stuff and blah, blah, oh, we should all just be fucking vegan and stop using plastic straws. Um, <laughs> no, I'm making this argument just to say that, yes, your local economies and governments are fucked up, but they're fucked up and they manage to stay in power because they are deeply connected to other economies and governments, which are also extremely fucked up, uh, which allows them to stay in power. And therefore, one could very easily still make the argument that uh, having class consciousness with the international proletariat, with people all over the world, working people all over the world, uh, is going Mm -hmm. to also help you in the long run. So yes, help your neighbor, look at your neighbor, but also look at... uh, look at the, 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 the world in a more global perspective because we have we are now connected more than ever and something that does happen over in uh, country number seven does impact everything over in country number one. So 
cut it with the fucking selfishness, okay? And the exceptionalism. Big brain, you got snake, sneaking in Wallerstein, Wallersteinian concepts <laughs> of uh, world systems theory into daily conversation. <laughs> Big brain. <laughs> no, but the second you're talking about how the interconnected economies, and I just started thinking about that. I was like, is this where he's gonna go? Oh fuck! <laughs> yeah, I'm just, be, I'm trying to be careful not to sound like a fucking third worldist or something. Like, oh fuck the fucking American worker. Yeah, go fuck yourself because there's a fucking uh, African uh, that's working so that he can make the machine that you cut your fucking metal with. You know, I fucking I disagree with that shit completely. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, no, you no, no, no for sure. We we are not. Uh... Yeah, I think all of us uh, agree. At the end of the day, we're all Marxists and we're pragmatic and uh, we have a materialist analysis towards the world around us um, to be kind of myopic in that way and try to pretend as if um, there is no proletariat within the first world or whatnot. Yeah, th- this is ridiculous. There is a nuance to this conversation that we can definitely delve into for a future episode, which can be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, the general gist of it is, no matter where you are, whoever's listening to the to this po- podcast, most likely you are a working class person who would identify with the vast majority of the rest of the working class of the world, if not directly through social or other uh, perspectives, then definitely on class and economic lines. Exactly. And even if you're not a member of the proletarian class, we welcome capitalist class traders. Uh, come, uh, <laughs> donate to different movements, uh, invest your money into things that are fighting directly against your own interests, because I don't know, you're a very good uh, person, mm. question mark. Uh, and yeah, you, you will find <laughs> a Patreon uh, account down in the description. That's, that's the most important thing to donate to, right? Out of everything, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we should we'll wrap it up for today. I think we touched on a lot of things that are going to make for great episodes down the line. I'm super excited for all of those. Um, thank you all for listening. This has been a great time. I hope you stuck with us. We will be back. We're going to try to do this every week. Uh, no promises. Obviously, we've still got our training wheels on here. Had to do a scripted first bit, but we'll find our stride, and we're looking forward to making more content for you guys. Uh, this has been the Deep Program. I'm JT. I'm Hakeem. And I'm Yugopnik. And we'll see you next time.